Speak to us now, Lord, for we are your servants and we are listening. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated and good morning. 25 years ago this coming week, August the 3rd, 1992 in Barcelona, Derek Redman, a sprinter from Great Britain, put his feet into the starting blocks of the 400-meter semifinal race, and he waited for the gun to go off. Uh, If Derek ran this race well, then he would be entered into the final of the Olympics, and he had had great times coming up to this race. The gun is fired, the runners take off, and then moments into the race, Derek says he, he, he heard a loud pop in his leg and realized fairly quickly it was his hamstring as all the other runners pass him by. So Derek goes down on the track. In the footage, you can see him just kneeling, starting to cry. I mean, his Olympic dreams are over. This injury actually went on to end his, his running career. So he's kneeling on the track. He's crying, uh, trying to figure out what to do next. Doctors are coming out to him on the track. Medics are coming out. And he starts waving them off. And then something crazy happens. He gets up and starts to hobble toward the finish line on his, his one good leg. Then something crazier happens. Derek's dad gets up out of the stands runs down onto the track, grabs his son, and starts helping him, helping him get to the finish line. The footage of this, you can't watch without crying. It's so powerful, so moving. Listen to how Derek describes what was going through his mind kneeling there on the track. I couldn't believe this was happening after all the training that I'd put in. The pain was so intense, so I hobbled about 50 meters, and then I realized it was over. But, uh, but he said, I don't like to give up anything. So just ask my wife. I, I like to win every argument, he says. So I determined I was going to finish the race if it was the last thing I ever did. And then, then I became aware about 100 meters to go. I became aware of someone else's presence with me. I didn't realize it was my dad at first. And all of a sudden, my dad started to say to me as he helped me across the the finish line, Derek, it's me. You don't need to do this. I just said, Dad, I want to finish. And Dad said, okay, we started this together, your running career, and we're going to finish it together. He managed to get me to stop trying to run and just just walk to the finish line. And the whole way he told me, you're a champion. You've got nothing to prove. Today in our epistle lesson, at the end of Romans, we've been studying Romans together this summer. And at the end of Romans, which really ends a section of the book of Romans from 5 to 8, we're, we're, coming, we're coming up to a point where St. Paul is describing the finish line, 
the end, the goal of the Christian life. The theological word for this is glorification. And St. Paul tells us today that God our Father has come out of the stands, run onto the track where you and me, his sons and daughters, are kneeling under the weight of our injuries in this life, whether it be our sin or sins done against us or suffering or whatever. And he's picked us up, he's grabbed our arms, and he's ushering us to the finish line. And Paul says in these verses three things God is doing while he ushers us to the finish line, three things that you can't miss. Let me give them to you all at once, and then I'll show you them in the text. Here we go. While God is carrying us to the finish line of the Christian life, he is, by his Holy Spirit first, interceding for us, interceding. If you're taking notes, write that word down, interceding. Here's the second thing God is doing. He is staying completely invested and involved in every step of our race. It's the second thing, invested and involved in our race to get us to the finish line. Here's the third thing. God is wrapping us up, just like Jim did to Derek, wrapping us up in his indestructible love. God is interceding for us. He's invested and involved, and he's wrapping us up in his indestructible love. Look at that text with me, the epistle passage, will you? Starting at the very top, notice how Paul says God is helping us here at the end of God's way of life. He says this, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So while we're kneeling on the track with our injuries, trying to make it to the end, God's Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. How beautiful is that? By this, Paul means sort of like when my dad sends me a text. Every now and again, my dad will send me a text just out of the blue, you know, something to encourage me or to say that he's praying for me. I really appreciate it. And sometimes we'll talk on the phone and dad will hear in my voice uh, maybe a tone or he'll notice that I'm just kind of a little bit quieter than normal and he'll speak to that. He'll say, hey, um, I noticed that you, you know, maybe later on he'll tell me, hey, son, I noticed you sounded down today or you sound a little bit quiet. You know, I hope things are going okay. I'm praying for you. I'm proud of you. I love you. Uh, let us know if we can help or, or whatever. My dad is intuiting my needs without me even vocalizing them. The life of prayer is hard work. Praying is hard work, right? We're Anglicans. We know that. You got to stand. You got to sit. You got to kneel. You got to do this. You got to do all. You got to. Prayer is work. Today, the, every Sunday, the Eucharist is the principal prayer service in Anglicanism. Here's the good news of the gospel for you today from Romans chapter 8, 26 and following. When you are too weary to pray or too angry to pray or too sad to pray and you can't even get the words out even when they're printed for you in the prayer book, God's Holy Spirit indwells you 
and is lifting your needs, intuiting your needs. Paul says he's intuiting them in a way that is in accordance with the will of the Father. He's got you. He's praying for you. He's moving you along to the finish line. That's the first thing God does. He intercedes for us. Here's the second thing. He's completely involved and invested in every aspect of our race. Look at the middle of the text, middle of Romans 8, 26 and following. Paul says this, very familiar text. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. God is involved in your salvation. That is to say, before your feet ever touch those starting blocks in the Christian life. Let's say it this way. God has set his love and his affection upon you, brother or sister, before you were ever born. Paul tells us in Ephesians, before the foundation of the world. That's the word predestined. He's also justified those he's predestined. He's made us right with the Father. And then in a weird sort of back to the future kind of way, he's also already glorified us. That's a future concept, but it's in the past tense. Notice all of these words are in the past tense. That is to say, it's as good as done. Your salvation is in the bag, Christian. You will make it to the finish line if it's up to God, right? Don't get lost, by the way. Don't get overwhelmed in, 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 in debating the theology um, of these enormously juicy, theologically rich terms. Don't get lost in that. Because Paul doesn't want us to be confused in Romans 8. He wants us to be encouraged. We should read Romans 8, 26 and following and leave with a sense of assurance and joy and security and this sense that God has us on that track and he's carrying us all the way to the end. God is involved in every step of the process, but he's also invested. Further down the passage, Paul writes this, he who did not withhold his own son gave him up for all of us. Will he not with him also give us everything else? He's given everything. In poker terms, our God is all in on your salvation. He's got nothing else to put on the table. All of his chips are in. How do we know that? Because those are his chips. God has given himself for your salvation. That's how invested he is. One of my favorite hobbies is to roast coffee. Um, I uh, learned very quickly early on in the coffee roasting hobby that um, if you're not careful, if you're not involved in every step of the process, from buying the beans to weighing the beans to getting the right roaster to getting the right temperature to getting the right smell, the right sound of the cracks in the coffee, the right look of the beans. If you don't get everything right, you lose pounds and pounds of drinkable coffee and lots of money. I mean, from whether you choose a Sumatra bean and it needs to be roasted in a dark fashion, or you choose an Ethiopian Yirgacheff or a Mexican and you want to ro roast it lightly, you got to stay, you got to stay heavily engaged or pound after pound, as Mindy now knows, just whittles away, and so do her dollar bills. 
there's not a single aspect of the process of your salvation, Christian, wherein God is not heavily involved and completely invested. He's paid a high price for you. He's not going to lose his money. He's not going to lose what he's invested in you. In fact, Paul tells us in that very familiar verse, 828, Paul says, look, God's so invested that even the sin and suffering, even the bad parts of life, God will turn to work for your salvation. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. That's how invested he is. Here's the third thing God is doing, though, as he ushers us to the finish line of the Christian life. He is wrapping us up in a kind of love that we have never experienced and won't on this earth from other humans. It's a supernatural love. It's indestructible by anything in heaven or on earth. Derek said that at the, at the end of the race, once they crossed the finish line, he didn't, he didn't know um, what was happening. He was just in lots of pain, lots of emotional pain, lots of physical pain. He remembers, you know, going to the hospital and just trying to work through the, the idea that his career was over. Um, but now, of course, in the footage, he can see that 65,000 people in the stands had uh, stood up to give them a standing ovation, were, were, you know, going out of their minds nuts for what they had just seen, this display of love. And here's what he does remember, though, crossing the finish line. Derek says, we hobbled over the finishing line with our arms around each other, just me and my dad. Paul asks a rhetorical question. Who will separate us from this kind of love? Who will separate us from God's love? Hardship? Distress? Famine? No. The answer is no. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Notice Paul acknowledges that being loved by God, God's indestructible love, doesn't mean we won't suffer. In fact, you could read this list of hardships as basically a checklist. Have you experienced these yet in your life as a Christian? Because you will. You will. You will. Because Jesus did. You will experience hardship, persecution, nakedness, sword, and so on. But that will not, will not separate you from the love of God. No sin, no amount of suffering, nothing can change his love for you. Nothing can stop the way his love will get you across that finish line. Now, having heard all the things that God is going to do as he ushers you to the goal, you may be wondering, like me, with a skeptical, cynical heart, Josh, how do I know that this is true? How can I bank on this? How can I count on it? So in closing, I want to sort of give you something to hold on to that might, might remind you that this, this is for real. Paul said in that, that uh, middle of the passage, he said, he who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him give us everything else? That's the answer to your question of how do I know because 
God has given his son to us to prove it. There's another story in the Old Testament about a father who was asked to give up his son to prove to God that he loved him, that he was faithful to God. God told Abraham, Abraham, I need to know that you trust me, and I need to know that you trust me so much with your whole heart, with everything you've got, that I want to ask you to give back to me the miraculous son, Isaac, that I gave to you and Sarah. Do you remember this story in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis? God says, so I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac, to me. Unthinkable unthinkable in in the Jewish context especially. So Abram, like any dad, thinks this is absolutely nuts, right? But he trusted God's heart. And so he takes Isaac up the mountain. He puts him on the sacrificial altar. And then come to find out at the end of the story, God doesn't want Abram's son. God wants Abraham's heart. So God provides a lamb. He doesn't give up Isaac. But then later in our scriptures, there is a father who does give up a son to prove his love. Do you know who I'm speaking of? Every Sunday when we gather at this altar, we have a pledge. We have a physical, tangible reminder that God, our heavenly father, gave up his son to show us that he will get us across the finish line of the Christian life. God has brought us out of our Egypts of slavery. He's baptized us in our own Red Sea baptism. We have followed God in in Jesus Christ out into the wilderness, and now God will guarantee us the promised land because of what he has done for us as we trust him. So today, today I wonder what brings you down on the track of the Christian life. What brings you down? What's got you kneeling in tears and in pain? Your own sin? Betrayal of someone else? A job loss? Fears about the future? Hauntings from the past? What's got you on the track? Because Paul tells us in the gospel today, Paul tells us, listen, God's got you on his right arm, and he's ushering you to the finish line. Can you hear him say, son, daughter, you're a champion, as Paul said in Romans 8, you're more than conquerors. You're more than conquerors. We started this together, justification. We will finish this together, glorification. Amen.